0: Okay, people, it is Thursday, which means Echo Chamber coming straight at you. And as we do every week, let's start off by looking at the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. Okay, so people, at number 10 is um, James Mangold's... Le Mans 66, aka Ford v Ferrari, man, it was a good film, man, we talked about it, whew, a long ass time ago, right, starring Christian Bale, Matt Damon, John Befano, um, Catatonia Bacalillia, and Josh Lucas. Number nine, we've got the um, you know, the recent adaptation of Little Women. This version was um, directed by Greta Gerberg and it's starring Sarose Ronan. Uh, we got Timothy Charlamont, Florence Pugh, and Emma Charlotte Daly. at number eight number eight boy nearly skipped one right there it's jake cadston's jumanji the next level so this obviously stars dwayne the rock johnson karen gillen kevin hart jack black and danny devito now now we're at number seven people and we've got the greatest showman. So this was from director Michael Gracie and starring Hugh Jackman, Zach Ephraim, Zadandra, Hala um, Settle, and Michelle Williams. At number six, 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 it's bad boys for Louis. This was from the directing duo Balal Fala and Adil El Arbi Starring Will Smith Martin Lawrence Vanessa Hodgins and Paula Nunes So now we are in the top 5 And boom It's the new adaptation of Ronald Dahl's The Witches This is from Robert Zemeckis, Starring Anna Hathaway Octavia Spencer Christine Chenoweth Jazzies Bruno and Stanley Tucci. At number four, boom, it's John Watts' Spider Man Far From Home. It's a great film, people. Tom Holland is killing it as this new version of Spider Man. Another Zandra film. Jake. Gillen is the bad guy, good guy, oh, what is it? We also got Jacob Batalon and the new Aunt May, Marissa Tomei. At number three, well, it didn't say at number one for long, right? It's Josh Bourne's The New Mutants, starring Anna Taylor-Johnson, Macy Williams, Charlie Heaton, and Blue Hunt. At number two, and it, it just won't go away, right? Christopher Nolan's Tenant, Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Patterson, Kenneth Branagh, Clemsy Posey, and John David Washington. So this week, people, at number one, Spill and Ted face the music. So this was from Dina Parust. And we had Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter reprising the roles as Wild Stallions, with um, uh, Bridget Lind Parry as uh, one of his daughters, and Samara Weaving as um, the other daughter. But yeah, they're our top 10 films, people. So before we get into this week's reviews, let's hear a little bit of info, all right and then um yeah then we can bounce and be all golden. alright, let's go okay, so all you shutter fans man, 2021 is going to be a good one, okay so it starts off with, um, yeah, some thrilling originals that will be hitting the uh, service, right? So you've got Hunted from Oscar-nominated filmmaker Vincent Parnord. And the Queen of Black Magic from two giants of modern Indonesian horror, Kimo Stambol and and Jukul Anwar, the much-anticipated second season of original series, A Discovery of Witches, with new episodes weekly, a binge release of season one of The Walking Dead World Beyond, the latest series in The Walking Dead universe, and the first to be available on Shudder, a four-film celebration of Peter Cushins. A double feature from the mind of Clive Baker, Nightbreed and a Rawhide Rex. And a recently released award-winning animated feature, The Wolf House. Among other new additions to the Shudder library. So, Hunted will be arriving on the 14th of January. Right? And, um, yeah... What started as a flirtatious encounter at a bar turns into a life or death struggle as Eve becomes the unknowing target of a misogynistic plot against her, forced to flee as two men pursue her through the forest. She's pushed to her extremes while fighting to survive, but survival isn't enough for Eve. She will have revenge, a modern and radical tale on the Little Red Riding Hood fable. Hunting is an exhilarating, transcendent and frequently brutal survival tale that elevates itself with the power of myth and magic while still holding an exacting mirror to present-day society. Man. So yeah, that will be hitting on the 14th. Uh, The Queen of Black Magic will then arrive on the 28th of January. The Sins of the Past come back with a vengeance in this new film from two of Indonesia's modern masters of horror. Director Kimo Stambul And writer Juko Anwar, a family travels to the distant rural orphanage where the father was raised to pay their respects to the facility's gravely ill director. But his and his best friend's homecoming turns into a terrifying supernatural ordeal that threatens their and their family's lives. Someone is using Dark Manage to avenge evil deeds, long buried but not forgotten. Ooh. You know, so um then the 9th of January, that's when you can catch a discovery of witches, the second season. And every um every Saturday a new episode will be dropping. Right? So um you have that. Uh Beyond the Walking. Dead, uh, World Beyond, that hits on the 21st of January and you don't have to wait each week because all episodes hit on that day so um, yeah, that's fun uh, the Peter Cushing season will start on the 18th of January right um, but As well as that, you have other new films Like Super Dark Times from director Kevin Phillips That arrives on the 4th so Zach and Josh and are best friends growing up in the 90s in the suburbs where teenage life revolves around hanging out, looking for kicks, navigating first loves and vying for popularity. When a traumatic incident drives a wedge between the previously inseparable pair, their youthful innocent abruptly vanishes each processes the tragedy in his own way until circumstances grow increasingly complex and spiral into violence. You then also have fingers from director Jean Ortiz on the same day. When an employee shows up to work with a missing pinky, it awakens demons in his boss that she never knew she harbored. Hmm. Oh dear. <laughs> On the 11th of January, there will be Before the Fire from director Charlie Buller. As a global pandemic engulfs Los Angeles, rising TV star Ava Boone is forced to flee the mountain chaos and return to her rural hometown as she struggles to acclimatise. To a way of life she left behind long ago. Her homecoming attracts a dangerous figure from her past. Threatening both her and the family that serves as her only sanctuary. Um, yeah. And then on that same day. You will also get Cub. From director Jonas Gavertz, The Pit. From director Lou Lehman. And Celia from director Anne Turner So Shudder is definitely something to uh, Yeah make sure you get your hands on For January people So maybe you get in your stocking If not ooh, You better rush and pick it up pretty soon Because it is the home of horror And all kind of craziness And uh, yeah a pretty fun thing to have on your TV or your computer, people. So, go check it out now. Well, horror fans, February might be the shortest month, but shudder, yes, the um, you know, the uh, platform streaming platform that you need if you are a very keen. Horror Fanatic, well yeah, they'll be releasing a new, that's right people, a new original exclusive film every week of the month, yes, that is correct, Um, there will also be a new Last Drive-In Valentine's special, the um, episode drop of A Discovery of Witches, is continuing throughout the month um and there will also be the original the queen of black magic yes that is correct because well shudder's kind of a reboot of the film is dropping at the end of january so yeah you can if you watch that and think oh it's great or meh not you know, i preferred the original well in february you can watch the original. Also, Vampire's Kiss, right? The um, classic Nick Cage film. Uh, then you've got some 70s cult classic films such as Audrey Rose, Psychomania, and The Ninth Configuration. Yeah. So, um, some of the big premieres will be A Nightmare Wakes. So this is, um, well, the gist is, while composing his famous novel Frankenstein, Mary Shelley descends into an opium-fueled fever dream while carrying on a torrid love affair with Percy Shelley. As she writes, the characters of her novel come to life and begin to plague her relationship with Percy. Before long, she must choose between true love and her literary masterpiece. An unsettling, intimate portrayal of a brilliant artist at her most troubled. A nightmare wakes traces the tortured birth of a timeless masterwork and the rightful assertion of its creator to stand alongside her creation. So it stars Alex Wilton Regan, uh, Gulon Yayo Gulagisha, uh, Philippe, um, Bowagon, um, and Lee Garrett. Okay, it's di- directed by Nora Uncle. Yeah, cool. And this will be dropping on the 4th of February. There is also After Midnight. Okay, so um, this is from director Jeremy Gardner um, and Christian Stella. And um, the film is about this. Ten years into his small town storybook romance with Abby, Hank suddenly wakes up to an empty home with nothing but a cryptic note to explain why she left. Hank's charmed life begins to fall apart. To make matters worse, Appy's disappearance seems to trigger the arrival of a ferocious creature that crawls out of the old grove on the edge of his property. And uh, this, it hits on the 11th. Uh, so we then have Shook, which is... um. Yeah, this is from Jennifer Harrington. Uh, So, when Mia, a social media star, becomes the target of an online terror campaign, she has to solve a series of tests to prevent people she cares about from getting murdered. But is it real? Or is it just a game at her expense? The film stars Daisy Tutor, Emily Goss, Nicola Puzna, um, Octavius J. Johnson, Stephanie Simbari, and Grant Rosemeyer. And uh, you can see this on the 18th of February. We then have The Dark and the Wicked. So, on a secluded farm, a man is bedridden and fighting through his final breaths, while his wife slowly succumbs to overwhelming grief. Siblings Louise and Michael return home to help, but it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with mum, something more than her heavy sorrow. Gradually, they begin to suffer a darkness similar to their mother's. Marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that an evil entity is taking over their family. It's directed by Brian Bertino. um, And you'll be able to watch that on the 25th. So, um, yeah, people, if you don't already have Shudder, what the hell are you doing? Alright, so um, go pick it up. And you get the opportunity to watch all of these, plus a wealth of other horror classics. Horror fans, oh, mark this date, because um, the final Girls Berlin Film Festival... Berlin's premier showcase of horror films Directed and produced by women And non-binary filmmakers Will return in the new year For the sixth time And first virtual edition The fest will run from February the 4th to the 7th And include features, short blocks And an impressive slate of talks and special offerings. Feature films will be geo-locked to Germany, while several short blocks and all non-film programming will be viewable worldwide. This will be followed by a planned second in-person event to take place over Halloween weekend, October the 29th to the 31st at City Kino Wedding in Berlin. Like many festivals confronting COVID-19, we fought long and hard about how to make our festival as safe and enjoyable as possible and decided to split our sip edition, explains festival co-director Ellie Lu. The February program includes a number of films about loneliness, technology, technological reliance, and confirmment That reflect our present day Reality in chilling Ways Co-director Sarah Nidoff Sees the current pandemic As a chance to connect Across geogra- ge- Geographical Distance And goes on to say We've got a thrilling side Program with workshops and Talks from holoscorers oh horror scholars that we're extremely honoured to have with us. These times are grim, but they bring an opportunity to virtually connect with an international feminist horror community that otherwise couldn't normally make it to Berlin. So we hope more and more folks will emerge from the woodwork and come join us. So people, mark those dates And, um, hey, if you're in Berlin, you are definitely in for a spooky treat. Okay, people, so now we have all that info out the way. And remember to mark down those dates. Let's get into this week's films. Alright, sit back and enjoy. So, Killer Therapy. It is, um, it's a new film by Barry J. Now, that name might be familiar to you. Well, it might definitely be familiar if you, uh, you know, partake in a boot camp or two. Yeah, I, I have to say, I was very surprised when I found out that, yeah, the film was directed by um, the guy that runs Barry boot camp, right, um, now from what it seems, okay, so this is his second feature film, second feature film, right, but the fourth that he's written, yeah, he wrote another two that other people directed, and then, yeah, this is the second one he's um directed himself, he co-wrote the feature um, along with um, Andrew Krupp right and um, it stars a bevy that's right people a bevy of veteran genre actors uh, from two of the biggest horror franchises I say biggest I think they are I mean, yeah, I would say Halloween and Friday the 13th, right? Um, yeah, I, I'd probably say, what, the other, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you've got the poltergeist and um, the Nightmares on street ones, right? But I don't know. I don't watch a load of horror films, so I'm assuming they're the the biggies, right, the big ones, um, but yes, it is, it's got a lot of people from those, from those films, you know, so um, let's just have a thinky think, right, so we've got uh, Adrian King, you know, so um, she was in the, uh, you know, original Friday the 13th, you know, and it's Sequel, you know, I think they often call her the original um, final girl. I think that's right. Right, uh, we've also got Tom Matthews, you know, who was in um, Jason's Live, Jason Lives. I can't remember which Friday that was. Um, have got PJ Souls you know, from uh, Halloween. You know, um, along with um, Daig Farouche, who um, played Michael Myers in, I think it was um, a a Rob Zombie uh, remake or something, right? There is a lot of them. You know, so, um, and I think the reason is because, you know, Barry was a huge horror fan growing up, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, you often see it, people, you know, they're, they're fans of something, and when, they're, it's when they have the opportunity to, uh, you know, mess around in those fields, yeah, they, um, you know, they, they, they bring in people who they've, Watched and followed, and all of that jazz. So, um, yeah, that's what he's done. Yeah, he's brought in a lot of people like that, along with um, Michael Quelicky, who, um, you know, who who stars in the film. It's his debut feature, right? So, a lot resting on his shoulders. Um, Yeah, I would say alright, so, um, you know, who else, well, yeah, you you know, I think they're the main, I think that I would say they're our main um, group of people, uh, I mean, also, um, you know, we, we have his um, sister in the film, Audrey, you know, she's played by Emma Mumford, what well, the older incarnation is, and the the younger one is played by Ivy george uh, and I would say the um you know there's Michael he plays Brian right and the his younger self is played by Jonathan Tizer. so um yeah i I'd say oh, and probably angelique ma um monre. Who plays Liz Gomez, Audrey's... One of Audrey's friends at school. Um, yeah. And Deg Farushi plays Blake, who is... Yeah, Ivy's... Uh, Liz's boyfriend, right? So, um... Barry produces the film, along with Jennifer M. Esquil. Um... Dustin Fine, executive produces, cinematography is Jay Lee, and the music is Ethan Arlock and Kevin DeKimpe. So, the gist of the film is this, a mentally unstable young man goes on a mission to hunt down and murder all the therapists he blames for messing up his mind and his life. Right, so, I think, just wise that sounded, it sounded kind of interesting, you know, uh, as something a little different, and, you know, as I said, look, I don't mess around in the horror fields that much, so, you know, maybe it is a trope that is often used, but, yeah, not one I've uh, come across, so, yeah, I figured I would give it Give it a try. So we start off, and um, yeah, the the Langstons, right? So that's um, you know, <coughs> ah, apologies, people. That's Brian's family. Uh, they've decided to adopt a, a little girl, right? So um, yeah, we see you know, the mother talking to Brian, because he doesn't seem very receptive to the idea of getting a sister, you know, and you don't know if it would be any different if um, she was born, you know, if it's the adoption thing, but yeah, you know, Not he's not fond of the idea, and, um, you know, the mum isn't really do. I have to say, the mum isn't... She's not doing the bestest job of uh, bringing him around, right? So, she comes... Yeah, Brian, just not feeling it. Not feeling it at all. And there's... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of... Ups and downs. You know, there's a few shouting incidences... Uh, you know, all of that kind of thing, right, um, yeah, Brian, he, you know, they, they're trying to, they're trying to get him to get on with, you know, Audrey, but it's just not working, and one argument, yeah, one argument too many, he bites her, right, He, uh, yeah, just sinks his teeth into that little arm. And, uh, yeah, the parents have broken. Parents have broken. And they decide to send him to therapy. Oh, I will add, the mother is a therapist herself. Right? So they send him to therapy. And um, things don't go that well in the therapy. Right? Now, I think there is stuff that's eluded, but you don't, you're not quite sure if it happened, if certain things happen or not within the therapy, right, and I, I, yeah, it is, I think hmm, it's an issue, right, now, later on, you do then realise, oh, your assumptions were correct about that therapy session, but yeah, it, it, it's you know it's an issue. So, you know, like it, 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 and you think that's definitely something that starts the issues, right? And I think you're not quite sure how often, how many sessions he's gone for that, for a therapy with you know that therapist and i think that is another issue and don't worry people i will get back to these issues right so he's he's got a birthday party no one comes and an incident happens at that party that really sends everything on a spiral you know, Brian, he goes into a more intensive therapy, right? More intensive therapy, which, you know, like, I think they say that he's fixed, but not so much, right? Not so much. And then everything just escalates from there, you know, like a, a lot more incidents, you uh, know, yeah, definitely a lot more incidents, right, now, they do kind of turn, well, flip the script, as it were, so, when he comes back from this therapy, you know, it's, yeah, they basically made it, you know, it's like when you, you know, you make a film and you switch the genders of your main character in the remake. You know, so this time, Audrey, she's not happy that Brian's come home. Right? So, they're doing all of this. Now, here, here's the issues, right? There's not a lot of information. You know, there's there's definitely things alluded to in a way, but still not, right? I think as a viewer, you have to make a lot of assumptions here, you know? Now, we don't really get the story to why, you know, why the the family have decided to adopt. Now, someone makes an assumption like, later in the film, someone said, you know, we hear people say something, but, like, we don't have the the parents themselves go, you know, we decided to adopt because of, so we don't hear that. And that is a big reason for the film, I kind of feel, because you think that might play into Brian. You know, to, to his feelings and everything like that. Because, you know, if there is certain reasons, chances are he might have overheard them talking about this stuff. Right? Which would play into self self-worth and all of this kind of thing. So we don't know that. We also don't know like the issues with Brian and his dad. You know, again. You know, he's like, oh, I'm finding it hard to connect, but we, like, we don't know how long, like, what's the issues, like, what's going on here? You know, and look, you don't need big chunks of film to go into this stuff, but it, you know, just a conversation between, you know, the the husband and wife, that would tell it all. <laughs> you know, it, it's just some little... There's easy storytelling techniques that can get around some of these hurdles, which aren't utilized. And Also, we don't really get a lot of time references. So we don't know how long has he, you know, kind of been in a therapy. Like, how many months have gone by and how, like, we don't get any of this. So you're just like, wait. How much has actually gone into trying to fix, find a solution? Like, you know, sometimes it seems that oh, so you know, they asked him to do this and he did it once and it didn't work. Oh, you know, I even mean? just like, well, yes, it's not going to work. You know, straight away, it's a process. You know, what I mean? it's like, so you're you're kind of scratching your heads at times because it's just like wait huh what's going on here you know there's some weird just weird things in that regard which makes it hard you know makes it makes it hard to follow it's not a you know it's in concepts it's not a hard story to understand but The methods and modes which have been utilized to tell this story, they do make it hard for you to, at times, understand the motives, right? Because certain things go down. You know, one of the big ones is, um, you know, during a car journey, right? At the end of that journey, right, stuff happens and it's just like, okay, why would that happen? You know, you'd think out of if it would happen to anyone, it wouldn't happen to that person. <laughs> because that person is the, the one that seems to be you know, the champion here. So, huh? You know, so it, it's, it's things like that. Also, a, a thing with this is, incidents happen right and i think if this film was made probably 60s 70s even the 80s you you could get away with um you know the the uh well the things that happen and um and not kind of questioning anything after it but now we know about you know, police procedures, <laughs> we know that there are marks left on bodies, and they tell, you know, they can tell you time of death, right, you you can work out when someone was, some, when someone died, how someone died, you know, so we know that now, so it it makes you wonder, right, so there's things that go down and you're just like wait hold on surely they they know that that person died because of Ravelan which would then mean there's only one person that could have done it right how is no one what? <laughs> you know, there's, there's these big things and you're just like, that That makes no sense. How is that person walking around? Like, it, it's clear they had to have done it. What is happening here? <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of weird things. You know, it's the notion of, um. also, like the notion of writing in a diary. You know, like, when that is put to uh, Brian, it it kind of acts like, wait, what? What is this? When, you know, uh, like, everyone knows about diaries. (laughs) Like, you could look at social media and say, essentially, that is now an electronic diary. You know? Especially things like Instagram. Instagram you know, Twitter, where you can lock your accounts, so only certain people have access, so, actually, I think you can do that on Facebook as well, right, so not everyone can view it, so you can lock it, if you don't, you know, you don't want everyone to see my thinkings, right, so you, you lock it up, you know, these are diaries, you know, journals, so, yeah, the, the, the idea of this, it's not a shock, also, privacy isn't a shock, right, to, to keep something, you know, out of reach. It's not, you know, this big secret. So, it's just a little bit weird how certain things play. Also, like, if you're getting bullied, well, and not even so much bullied, but you there's someone that you like. And, you know, they've got a boyfriend. But you're trying to, you know, check them out without their boyfriend turning on you. You there's, there's things you're going to do. You know, there's definitely things you're going to do. So, there's issues in the film. And you're just like, wait, why would someone still be there, why would someone put themselves in that, especially after they've got what they wanted, right, there's no need for someone to still be there, yeah, there's these weird parts of the script, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, doesn't make a lot of sense, it's 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 confusing. It is confusing, right? And I think there's the the last big thing that happens at the school, right? There's this last big incident. I think we have the diary, right? We then also have comments by the character you know what I mean, he, he basically, well, the the character basically admits to something, but it seems nothing really happens, you know, they don't go to jail, which is insane, right, it is insane, you don't, you kind of, you have to scratch your head and think, what? Huh? That doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, therapy. Yes, we understand therapy, but they—you still feel there would be jail. there was there would still be jail, right? And, and there's a there's a period of time, and you're just like, wait, look, we know people, you know sometimes get out of jail for after you know t- amount of times that you think well that wasn't long but the amount of time that is mentioned you're just like that isn't that's no that wouldn't happen huh what now we also have this thing of um recognition we were meant to un we we're meant to believe that someone wouldn't recognize someone. And I have to say that's yeah, it's hard to believe. Right? It's definitely hard to believe. Now, listen, I would say if you are a horror aficionado and you love a B movie, you know, you, you will watch anything, then maybe Killer Therapy is going to be your back right maybe you yeah you you like anything weird and crazy even if it's cheesy and it doesn't always make any sense otherwise i yeah i don't know people i don't know there is, i i think the the big issues with this film definitely come down to the script and the direction you know, like, the acting is, uh, the acting is okay, you know, like, there's certain performances that could be better, for sure, they could be better, but you do wonder, you know, what is the director telling that person, you know, and is that the best cut? Right? Because, you know, they're they're watching these things go down. They're the ones going, yeah, that's great. Let's do, let's roll to the next scene. So, yeah, I I think the the main issues here is the script and the direction. You know, because that's where the story just falls apart. (laughs) It does fall apart, people, you know? So, yeah, um... If just anything horror is your thing, then, yeah, you know, possibly this is the film for you, you know? Um, if you're a, yeah, you're a fan of, you know, Barry's other films, you know, The Chosen, um, there's Ashes, right? So, yeah, if if these, you know, you love these, then, yeah possibly give killer therapy a go if you like the actors involved then yeah that's another reason you might want to give it a go but this film is going to be like Marmite it is not for everyone it is definitely not for everyone and I'm, I'm not a fan of Marmite people I am not a fan but the film is out right now you know you can get it on Sky Amazon, the link for Amazon is, you know, in the um, episode details, and I think it's on iTunes as well, right, so, uh, yeah, there you go, people, Killer Therapy. So, people, I missed it when it first came out, um, you know, towards the end of last year, the digital and DVD release is coming up, so I decided to um, get around and check out *Schemers*. You know, it is a Scottish film set in Dundee. I ain't, I've been to Dundee. It is a very bleak place. I think they call it the Concrete City, something like that. It is very concretey, concretey. Hmm. It's grey very grey but um yeah this film it was directed and written by dave mclean and you know people might think oh dave mclean that name sounds very familiar well he's a you know he's a, a a gig promoter and he went on to manage, you know, the likes of placebo. So that might be why it rings a bell. But it looks like now he wants to get into the film business. Um, so, yeah, he wrote and directed it. Um, you know, it's cast comprises of Connor Berry, who plays Dave. You know, in the film, it's Davey. But yeah, That's McLean um, Then his friends Sean Connor Who plays Scott And Grant Robert Keelan Who plays John Tara Lee Plays Shona The love interest We then have Kit Clark Who plays Willie McLean Blair Robertson Who plays Pike McGuinness Johnson Who plays plays Kenny Paula Mattison plays Anne Caroline Bonnyman he plays Moira Alistair Thompson-Miles plays Fergie and Rianne Farley plays Chrissy uh, Cinematography is from Alan C. McHoggan and um Yes. Okay. Well, the uh, the gist of the film, people. Well, it um, it follows, you know, Dave Davy, who is a dreamer from the council schemes of Dundee, who is constantly hustling for his next buck, then losing it on the horses after a football injury. Davy falls for the trainee nurse, Shona, and tries to impress her by running a disco. Along with friends John and Scott, the trio start promoting bands, culminating in a hugely ambitious Iron Maiden gig at the Carried Hall, Dundee. With ambition so grand they go deep in debt, with Fergie, a gangster of legendary violence, Davy needs to use every trick to pull off the biggest scheme of his life. Yes. And, yeah, as I said, look, you know, it is a, you know, it's a true story. I, yeah, true story. I mean, it is definitely based on true events. Right? Definitely based on true events. Now, how... (laughs) <laughs> How close to those events, who knows? Who knows? Right? But um, you know, McLean, he promoted bands such as Simple Minds, um, Ultravox, the Skids. Yeah, so it's um, you know, all of that is there, people. All of that is there now. They did utilize, you know, they utilized a lot. A lot of, you know, tricks that we've seen in past films, right? It starts off with a chase, right? Someone is chasing Davy, and then, you know, it does the, oh, well, this all started because, and then, you know, you get into why this person is chasing him, right? And throughout the film, we have, um, well, Davey seems to be narrating it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, narrating it and, um, you yeah, know, like, yeah, oh, this is the moment when, or, oh, I remember those days. And, yeah, it's, it's all a bit of that, right? But, um, you know, he's got a gambling issue. He loses money on the horses all the time. And, um yeah, he, he's trying to work out how he can, yeah, just make some money. But we don't actually know how he has any money in the first place. I mean, that's one of the big things. There's we don't know what he does. Like, what, what anything he has ever done to get money. Because he's always drinking. Now, granted... The the drinks in the film, they're not very expensive, but, yeah, that's all equivalent. You know, back in the day, that small amount was still, you know, it's equal to the pay, right? So, yes, of course, it all seems very small now, but not so much then, right? But, you know, a little tangent, people. But, yeah, you know, so, yeah, he's trying to work things out. And when he was in hospital, he... You know, he he met this met this trainee nurse who he's fallen for. I mean, like, don't really know why, but he has. And in talking with her, he invites her to a disco because he thinks that well, You know, they, she talks. I think she mentions disco or dancing. So yeah, he's, he invites her to a disco that there is no disco. So what do you do? You put on a you know, you invent a disco. You put one on. And yeah, he, he manages to do that with um two people well, somebody knows and then somebody me. See, this is a thing, right? The film says with his two best friends, but it's just like they're not like, well, not at the start of the film. Right? One is a guy that he kind of knows around town, and the other one is a DJ who he's seen, but he convinces them to both come in on it, come in with him to start doing all of this stuff. But um, yeah, that that's that's where it all starts, really, and then it just goes deeper into um, everything, you know, putting on shows, which then finally cultivate Coleman. Cultivate, culminate, culminate. Yeah, no, that is the word, isn't it? Culminate, culculate, copulate, cumulate I mean, anyway, you know what I'm saying. Um. Yes. So it ends with this big Iron Maiden gig. Right now, it's not a like. It's an okay film. You know, it's fairly interesting, right? And you know, it's like, but I say it's interesting because you're just like, okay, so what are they gonna do next? You know, you're just you're a little intrigued to see what's going on. right now, on the poster and everything, it, it's kind of likening itself to Train Spotting. Yeah, it's not Train Spotting, people. This definitely is not train spotting. Like, it, it's not, you know, filmed to that degree, written to that degree, acted to that degree. Yeah, it, it's not on those levels. <laughs> I mean, they're both Scottish. <laughs> that's the that's where the you know, the similarities start and finish. <laughs> oh, one of the characters likes drugs. Sorry, there's another similarity right there. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I I don't know. Like for me, there's there's a few things in the film, right? That it's very much lacking information. You know there's he injures himself playing football, right? And what it seems from, you know, when you're watching it, because he's playing, it looks like they're playing in the park. So it looks like they're just, he's playing for a Sunday League team, right? But they, I don't know, they talk, they're talking about it like he was going to be a professional football player but it's like there's no indication to that you know there's nowhere in the field where they talk where it's ever kind of alluded that he could be a top player you know he's just about to have trials with one of the big teams. there's nothing so you, you, you know what I mean that in itself because it's just like, yeah, people kick, kick the ball around on Sundays. Doesn't mean you're going to be a professional, you know, you're not going to be Ali McCoyst. See only Scottish football player I could think of, people. Right, um, yeah. So, right there, because you're trying to think, why do I care? Right, and the other thing is, he's been, he walks around for quite a while... With the um, the thing on his leg. But we don't actually know how long. Like time frames. There's no sense of time in the film. Right? Which makes a lot of things very odd. Because it's just like. Okay. So how long are you putting on these gigs for? Right? What's, what's the gap between the first gig. And then this Iron Maiden gig. You know? What is the situation? Like we just don't know. It, it makes things a little bit baffling. Hey, right? it's you know this whole thing with the nurse. You know, there's like there's a point where she's just like, "Oh, when I first met you, I thought you were just an you know you. She, basically, she thought he was irritating. And um, yes, the, I mean, the way it's said, right? The way it said, it, it's delivered, you know, with so much feeling. <laughs> this is like, what? But yeah, you're just like, okay, so why do you like him? You know, and with him, why do you like her? Like, there's no justifications. Like, when we see them together, it feels like there's no chemistry. You know, what I mean? there's really just no chemistry. It just doesn't feel like they're in love. Doesn't feel like anything. It's just like, huh? You know, even just oh, this is like a scene of dancing. Just terrible. Like just straight up bad. The so dancing is bad, and. These gigs, these gigs they're putting on that are meant to be, like, sold out and a huge hit, they are so damn empty, right? It's always a weird thing, right, when you see a concert, a party, or anything like that in a film or TV, they never, never look full, Like There's always way too much space, <laughs> like, you get people doing certain things, you're just like, wait... There is never that much space in these situations. Right? Especially if you're saying that this, this thing was packed. When it's packed, you're like squeezed in. You can't just walk around willy-nilly. Right? So, you know, we're seeing all of these things, but it's just this wonder of like, hmm, huh, okay. Right. Well, what's happening here? Like, what are the justifications? You know, Right? And also putting on these geeks. Right? So everything just happens because this girl kind of says, Oh, I'd be interested in this. But we don't get anything from Dave. You know, Davy. Right? There's no oh I like this band or like there is nothing. Right? And we don't get this ah, I love music, and, oh, this is, you know, this is my passion, or, you know, just these bands are great. Like, they have one little conversation, and she's just like, oh, do you like the Bee Gees or Elton John? Or do you like, you know, and that's just it. That's meant to be it. And you're just like, with all the films about music, I mean, just look at High Fidelity. Like, within that, you were just like, yeah, Kuzik is a music fan, you know what I mean, like, it, or Jack Black, music fan, like, you believed every person in that film, had this passion for music, like, sometimes a little obsessive, yeah, sure, but, they dug music, with this, it doesn't seem that, you know, it just seems like, meh, yeah, you know, we're just putting these things on, but, yeah, don't really care, right, don't care, so, it's just, well, why are these bands being picked, right, what, like, so, what's the thing, know there's, there's this bit in there, this little aside, right, and um, someone mentions a band, and it, it, obviously, it's meant to be this, oh, oh, look at me, <laughs> how silly was I, but it's just, but, We don't see you as a music connoisseur. We're not seeing you as this musical guru. Right? You're just putting on gigs. The other thing... What's the risk for him? Right? It's just... Everyone around him is borrowing the money. (laughs) Like, you got a guy... Yo, really putting his neck on the line. So... It, it, it's, you're just watching it, and you're just like, why do I like this character, there's, there's no kind of draw to, um yeah, this big like, and, it, you know what I mean, and this is the thing, why, why, I was just like, yeah, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, now, look, I'm, I believe, yeah, they're all from Dundee, and yes, we know, these gigs did go on, but, to what extent? Right, because you know, like the film, so st- I said, he starts off with him running, but yeah, because this girl just couldn't keep her hands off him. But you know, ah, oh, her husband walks in on them, oh. but that in itself was just weird. But she's just like, oh, he's in jail, it's fine, and then he walks through, and he's like, wait, you didn't know when he was getting out? What. You know what I mean it's just this? It's stupid. A lot of the scenarios that we see, it's just all dumb. It's like just the Iron Maiden gig, the whole thing at the end, right? The issues that come up, it's you, you, you are scratching your head a bit, right? Because it's just like, wait, if you put on all of these other gigs all of these other gigs then surely you know about you know certain things that need to be done right it, 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 because that came off like oh this is the first thing we've ever done but even then even then it, it's just a bit like wait how do you not think about this thing or that thing or it's it's very baffling, right? It just seemed that they were just... They got to a point and just like, oh, we need drama. We need to make this last thing, like, seem... Uh, so, yeah, let's pretend that uh, this happened. and it, yeah, it's just not believable, right? you, you It's hard to buy. But yeah, if you just want a, you know, just a film, stuff's happening, there's some fun music in it, and all of that, it it, yeah, it kind of works on that level, but as something that you can watch and invest in the characters, and, you know, this powerful story, I wouldn't say that is this, you know what I mean, it is not very powerful, Right, yeah, it, it, it's just, all the characters, well, the only character that seems to be adequately filled out, and then I say, not really that filled out, is Davy. right? Uh, the others really aren't, and especially, you know, the women. Like, Shona is just... Man, she is shallower than a friggin' teardrop. <laughs> basically, there is nothing we really know. No, the only thing we know about her, she's a student nurse. <laughs> that's that's it. That's basically it. And she's got blonde hair, but maybe she doesn't. Maybe it's dyed. Who the hell knows? But yeah, we don't. <laughs> the viewer does not. <laughs> but, you you know, there it is, people, oh, dear, oh, dear, I don't know, like, if you're into, um, you know, these bands, then maybe this is, like, yeah, this is gonna mean something to you, maybe you went to that, you know, Iron Maiden gig in Dundee, then, boy, yeah, you might go, oh, I remember that, Ah, oh, that was legendary, oh, let me watch the film about it, because as a film that is meant to be about this big gig coming together, the gig itself does feel like a very, you know, just a tagged-on moment at the very end of the film, right, there's no build-up to it, it's just literally towards the end, just like, Oh, um, yeah, let's put on a bigger gig, oh, we can't get these bands, maybe, who have you got, oh, you've got them, yeah, that, I guess that will work, like, there's no, you know, in the film, like, at the beginning, man, I really like that group, Iron Maiden, yeah, oh, You know, oh, I'm gonna go buy their album. Man, yeah, wouldn't it be great to see them live? They'd never come this... You know, there's nothing... There's no build-up to it. So it's not really a film about the the putting on of that gig. It's just a film where that gig happens at the end. That's what it seems like. You know? It's a weird one, right? It is a weird... You know... Because we there's an hour, an hour before we kind of hear anything about Iron Maiden, but um yeah, uh, I don't know people, I don't know. As I said, look, it possibly could be for you, you know, if you're um into, yeah, if you're into the music, if you're from Dundee, yeah, maybe, maybe, and. If that's the case, well, you're in luck, right? Because on the um, the 25th of January, it's available either on a DVD. Yes, those physical shiny disc things. Or if you're just like, what the hell is that? It's available for digital download as well, okay? So, um, yeah, people... You can uh, run out on Monday and um, get your little dose of Dundee music scene with Schemers. Yo, so, um, Outside the Wire just hit Netflix, so I figured I would check it out, because, um, Anthony Mackie, you know, he was the, uh, He was a star of the film. Well, one of the big stars of the film. And, um... Yeah, it's always interesting to see what he's up to. You know what I mean? Um... So, the film is directed by Mikkel Hafström. Right? Um... A Swedish director. Uh... So, it was written by, um... Well, the story's by Rob Yescom, who co-wrote the screenplay along with Roman Affle. It's produced by Brian Kavanagh-Jones, uh, Ben Pugh, Erica Steinberg, Jason Spire, Arish Amel, and Anthony Mackey, who also stars in the film... Um, Along and he plays a character called Leo. We got um Damson Idris who plays Harp, who's a drone operator. We have um Christina Tonteri Young who plays Bale, who's um also a drone operator, kind of like Harp's friend colleague in a drone squad. Uh, so then you've got um Eckhart who's played by Michael Kelly who just gets around man <laughs> he really does. Uh so he's a bruh, a sergeant in the army. Um we then have Enzo Clenty who plays Miller, also a another I think he's another sergeant. Henry Garrett plays Bryden, I believe, yeah, I, they're Corporal Sergeants, something, something, some sorts of highs up. Uh, we've also got Emily Beecham, who plays Sophia, and she's in The Resistance. Um, yeah, I think they're kind of our our main crop of people, really. Uh, so, um, oh. Music is by Lorne Balfe. Cinematography is Michael Bonvillain. That's a good name, isn't it? Bonvillain. <laughs> and the uh, yeah, the, pl- the 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 plot is this: when disgraced drone pilot Lieutenant Harp is sent into a deadly militarized zone after disobeying orders. He finds himself working for Captain Leo. An android officer. Tasked with locating a doomsday device. Before insurgents do. So. um, Yeah this was an interesting film. Right. Now. (laughs) I think the big thing is. Right. It is set. In 2036. So. Um yeah, it's in the the near future, and I think that's something that's very important, because there was a moment, because I didn't quite catch the, um, you know, the date when it flashed up on screen, and I did wonder, right, there's moments when you're looking at it and thinking, okay, well, if this isn't the future, how come they're still doing that, right, but then when you realise it's 2036, that Explains it all, you know, that we've got these advancements, but they only go so far, right, we're we're still doing these certain things, right, so, yeah, once you have that in mind, it definitely, I feel the, the, the story and everything that happens makes, well, I mean, it always made sense, but I think, um, yeah, just a reliance on technology and you know I mean, because you're kind of thinking, Oh, well why didn't they just create that? And how come they've got that but not that? Right? So you you won't be uh, wasting your time on those kind of um questions. But so we um you know, to set the stage, right? It it starts off and heart there's a a mission going on, and, you know, the US troops who are in the DMZ zone, so they've kind of been tasked, I think, by the UN to help out, so they're there, and, um, yeah, they're trying to track this, you know, this group down, but there's an ambush, you know, the, the whole thing has gone wrong, and, um you know, the drone strikers are there, but they haven't got the all clear to um, to launch yet. Uh, you know, a couple of um, US troops go down, but a truck appears, right? A truck appears from nowhere, and, you know, Harp believes that they've got a launcher, a weapons launcher that will wipe everyone out. But if they destroy it, it's going to kill two U.S. troops. And, you know, he hasn't got all clear to do it. But he takes a shot. He blows it up. And two U.S. troops die. Now, he was right. But, you know what I mean? He disobeys orders. Which, you know. So that's the very beginning of the film, and that's the disobeying orders thing. So it's not really plot sensitive or anything like that, you know. But that's how it kind of sets the scene, and you get like um, you know, Harp is set up as a kind of a mm, I'd say mathematical type of person, you know, like um, a bit cold. It's by the numbers, right? Because he's like, well, two people might die, but we save 40 other people. And then all these civilians as well. You know, so it's kind of like that. And, you know, it irks some people. But I think the big thing is he hasn't actually seen combat. So, you know what I mean, these drone people, they're there behind the lines, in safety. And that's kind of what we're looking at with this film. Right, these kind of mechanics of war. Right, What the with the advancements of technology, what it then allows you to do, but at what cost? Right, so, because he's disobeyed orders he hasn't been court-martialed, he's been sent on an evaluation of sorts, right, so he has to go and report, do some training, to get the all clear to come back to duties, and, you know, the, the, the thinking is, if he spends a little bit of time, you know, in the war zone, that will give him a better sense of life, right? Which is a bit of a shock to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like a, you know, he, he's got a girlfriend, right, who he's just about to marry. So he doesn't really want to be in this situation. Um, so he goes. And he's told, you know, Leo, he's not like everyone else. He's a bit different. And um, we soon find out how different Leo is, right? So um, not only two people know, right? It's a secret, really, of what Leo is, because you know, I guess other people might think, why should we fight if we've got you know Leo? So then the film it, it kind of takes this look at war, right, so we see the, it's meant to be showing, like, the brutality of it, the cold, hard situations, and, look, I, you know, I was watching the film, and I was thinking, oh, you know what, this does a good job, like, this is actually kind of showing the nitty-gritty of it all, right, you know, the cold, hard facts, grey areas that it's not just as simple as bad guy good guy sometimes you know like um the uh the the, the people in the middle you know i mean the non combatants they they're, they're caught cool, right so sometimes they have to do things that you know aren't always great and we see that but then i was thinking actually that's a stupid thing to say, <laughs> you know what I mean, because, like, how the fuck do I know, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, you have the idea of, like, oh, right, yeah, no, they're showing how it is, but unless you've actually seen combat, yeah, you're not gonna know, right, and, and these war films that we watch sometimes, when you actually speak to someone that has seen combat, they're just like, no, it is nothing like that, right, you'd never do that, or you wouldn't do that, you don't carry a gun like that, they wouldn't send you out like that, right, and then you realise, all these situations, that you think, god damn, that was like, that was crazy, I can't believe that they did, and be like, it would never happen, (laughs) so, you know, I, I guess it, you get the sense of a real kind of war-torn situation, but how true that actually is, I don't know, right, but I got the, yeah, I got the the vibe of, I got the feeling that this was a DMZ war zone, where, you know, law doesn't really exist, and it's a kind of a, you know, I mean survival of the fittest situation, right? And, and and you do get that sense. So it plays that kind of thing very well. You do, I will say, you do get a kind of training day vibe from this. I mean that was the thing that really did kind of jump out to me. Because you know, like um Leo is uh, Denzel, and um, like Harp is Ethan Hawke, right? That that is, that that's the kind of sense of it—the veteran and rookie. But I guess um in this, Leo isn't quite Denzel. You know, because Denzel was just straight up dirty. Like there was some good to him But he was Like straight dirty But this There is more of a nuance to this Which It does get interesting Right? Because Certain questions are definitely asked Towards the end And And I thought it was very interesting. Like, I really thought it was interesting. There were certain things that happened that you you did then get kind of feel be like, oh, I feel that's a setup, or I think that will open that up, right? So, I wouldn't say it's necessarily transparent, but I think if you've seen, you know, so many films. You will get certain kind of tropes jump out at you, right? And it's fine because it does play pretty well, right? I mean, the technology is believable, right? With the leap in which it's come. Like, when you think Tesla and Starlink and Neuralink and all of those things, you do kind of think, Alright, yeah, 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 I guess we could easily get to that point in, you know, 15 years. Yeah, I can see that being a thing, right? So, we we have all of that. I did kind of think when we got to the end, although you definitely see what they're saying, right? It does does get a little bit Hollywood, right, because, you know, we we have someone who is, they've not seen combat, right, not seen combat, now, they might have scored highly in training and all of that, but they've not seen combat, and we've, we've seen the results of that throughout the film, you know, we've seen the fact that, yo, this is so shocking. This is so traumatizing. But then, at the very end, the person suddenly, you know, they jump into G.I. Joe action, as it were. You know what I mean? Which is always a bit like, ah, come on, man, don't do that. Like, come on. We, we can't have this complete one action. 80, right, and although, right, you, you get the sense that they understand, but in the end, they follow the line, even though this has been someone that we've seen, like we've been shown, they don't always follow the line, at the very end, they follow the line, so you're just a bit like, ah... Okay. Hmm. Right, and and it's a bit of like I kind of feel we should have got a few more, like probably a. I don't know, three months later, something, something like that, right? So whether it's like ten extra minutes to show. A, a fallout, like a consequence, or just a scene at the end, like a cutscene, something. Because, you know, we, we've been given the. Uh, hmm. What would you call it? I don't know, like the omatic warning, as it were. You know what I mean? we will be given this who, you know, dire consequence. And it's like, well, does it? You mean, like, does it? Right? Because, yeah, like we have someone then just blindly do a thing, but it's like, but does it? And I think that's the shame, because the film that we start to see you kind of feel it would show that. But, yeah, at the very end, it goes Hollywood and it doesn't. And that's a shame, man. It, it just stepped off ah, at the last moment. So, um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, I guess it is what it is. But, I, like, for the most part, this is, um, it's decent. You know, it's a decent film. So uh, I would say it's worth checking out. You know, um, yeah, and as I say, look, if you like Training Day, uh, if you like the Bourne films, it does have a Bourne kind of vibe when it comes to the action. Kind of gritty, nasty, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think if you like those films, then I think, yeah, you you will dig outside the wire right, so it's on Netflix, we have good performances from, um, Beecham, Mackie, Idris, you know, Kelly, yeah, everyone, every, yeah, everyone gives a good performance, so, yeah, I, I would say it's worth a check, people, so, um, yeah, go give it a look, it's on Netflix, right, it's not too bloody or, or crazy, like, there's no, no excess gore or anything like that, okay, I mean, it is an 18, but you yeah, know, it's not crazy on that score. All right. So, boom. There you go. Outside the wire. Okay, people. So, it is that time again. We're going to bounce, but before we do, let's just take a quick look, it's not a lot going down, but there's a little bit of movement happening in the world of film, and um, Amazon, they have just picked up Rachel Ginvey's new book, Jane in Love. And, um, yeah, they're turning it into a film So, um, Ginvi is, um, she's going to be writing a screenplay to it Uh, so, um, also we've got Denise Dinovi and Margaret French Isaac producing the film Um, with Eliza down, she's going to be directing Uh, no one's attached to star just yet But the gist of the film is this, right? Um, Jane Austen, yeah, it's about Jane Austen, people. You know, she makes a Faustian bargain to find love and ends up time-traveling from 1803 to the present day. When she falls in love with a modern-day man, obviously, if it's the present day, all her books begin disappearing. She must decide stay in a twenty-first century where she has found love but lost the ability to write or return to her own time and write her books. Hmm. Though never marrying, having children, or really much recognition if I remember correctly. Hmm. What a dilemma. Uh, So, I think he's talked about this in the past and never kept his promise, but with Liam Neeson out promoting his new film, The Marksman, it sounds like he might actually be um, looking to stepping away from action films. So, I, believe, I don't believe it's, um, you know, films in general, just action films. So, what he had to say was this. Oh, yeah. I think so. I'm 68 and a half. 69 this year. There's a couple more... I'm going to do this year, hopefully COVID allowing, us. Um, there's a couple in the pipeline and then I think that will probably be it. Well, unless I'm on a Zimmer frame or something. I've just finished one in Australia and I had a fight scene with a kid, lovely sweet actor called Taylor. And halfway through the fight I looked up I was breathless and it didn't cost him a cent and I said, Taylor, what age are you? He said 25. I said, that's the age of my eldest son. Great story. (laughs) <laughs> Great story, Liam Oh dear, oh dear I mean, I'd have thought Maybe the thing would have been I'm 69 and it's just not believable Me beating up these people But, okay He wanted to say Oh, I get out of shape <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear Um, so there's a new film coming to Netflix It's called Against Dionysus. And, um yeah, it's about a Danish exib- expedition attempting to disprove the United States' claim to northeastern Greenland. The expedition battled extreme hunger, fatigue, and a polar bear attack. All right, so, um, yeah, the film will um star Nicola Kusta Waldu Charles Dance, and Joe Cole. So, um, a lot of Game of Thrones alums up in that one. Kind of makes sense being Greenland and all of that. But yeah, no um, word on when it will hit, though. Um, what other news do we have? Oh, this is an odd one, right? So, Warner Brothers is, um, They're making a a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, it's going to be called Wonka. And um, they've already set a release date. So it's the 17th of March, 2023. Um, David Heyman is producing the film. Scott Rich and Simon Farnaby will be writing the script. And Paul King is going to be directing Okay, some other news Right, so Sony, you know They're doing which, um, you know a, a lot of the thing that Paramount have been doing And they're trying to make back all the money they've spent So they have sold um, Their Phil Lord and Christopher Miller film Called, well, it was called Connected So Netflix have picked this film up, it's animated, and um, they've retitled it, because Connected, I thought maybe it's a film about the making of Connect 4. But no, it's, um, the new film is called The Mitchells V. The Machines. And it follows an everyday family's struggle to relate while technology rises up around the world. Hmm... I know. We will see. So it's got a voice cast of Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Randolph, Mike Ranada, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Blake Griffin, and Doug the Pug. Yosh. So um, yeah. No word on when Netflix are looking to release it. All right. So um, searchlight they've um given the um the dates to uh, the films they'll be releasing this year so there will be um let's take a look so they've got a horror, horror film called the night house that will be dropping on the 16th of july and that's from david Bruckner. then the eyes of tammy faye that's coming on the 24th of September. And that's from Michael Waters. Uh, we've then got Scott Cooper's Antlers. So that will be dropping the 29th of October. And Nightmare Alley on the 3rd of December. Which is from Galmiro del Toro. So, um, you know some some stuff from some well-renowned directors right there um so also um they've got the rights to nomadland which will be hitting hulu on the 19th of february and um no word on uh the french dispatch or the next goal wins just some time uh in the year. Now, let's end on this, okay, so, um, the Oscars, I mean, they got into a bit of heat over, um, you know, their foreign film category, which they have now decided to call the international feature film, hmm, okay, um, and they've made some other changes as well right so in the past a short list of ten nominees were selected from an overall entry list of around a hundred films um academy members from all branches are invited to participate in the preliminary round and are eligible to vote in the category so right um yeah, and it met a minimum viewing requirement and all of that. Right? Um so then top the top ten seven blah, the top seven voted on choices are then augmented by three additional selections voted on during a debate by an academy's international feature film award executive committee those three selections are dubbed saves and are basically there to save a great film that might that many might have not seen they all sounds a bit convoluted and BS really hmm But, you know, I think that it it, it was problematic, right? So, yes, they have changed the process. So, this year, um, there won't be any more of the, um, you know, three extra films voted in by a committee, all right? And um, the shortlist of 10 films that received the highest number of votes will be expanded to 15. Right, so, um, yeah, major contenders this year, supposedly, are Another Round, Dear Comrades, La Leonora and Two of Us. So, um, yeah, I think that's it, you know. Ah, it's all a bit of a scam anyway, really. Uh, who cares? Who... But remember people The Oscars this year Are hitting on the 25th of April Yay But that is us We are done people Hope you've enjoyed And um, yeah We'll see you next Thursday Okay Peace